0: Jesus said that we are blessed when we're persecuted for his sake. In the Himalayan mountains, Andy Byrd met a teenage girl
1: who put those words on display in a powerful way. And she decided to give her life to the Lord. She was taken by her family into the kind of the courtyard of the community there. And she was they threw rocks at her and the person real physical persecution and uh, because of it, she couldn't walk for quite a while. And she actually, with a huge smile on her face, she's telling me this story would, would crawl on her elbows to go to, to a little house fellowship that had been started in her village. And eventually, her legs did heal. And when I met her, she's walking with a, with a really strong limp, the biggest smile I had ever seen. And she has never stopped sharing the gospel from that point on. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: Last week, we began a conversation with Andy Byrd here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. He's part of the executive leadership team at Youth With a Mission in Kona, Hawaii. He also directs an event called The Send. At the last two of these events, Andy watched as
1: young people responded to God's call to missions. We were so encouraged by how willing the next generation is to really go. It's like they're waiting for a battle or they're waiting for a cause to give themselves for. And our goal at the Sen was to give them the cause of the Great Commission. Andy also told us about his travels to North Korea. It was mind-blowing. I think it's probably the only place I've ever been where the media under portrays how difficult it really is. I feel like most places I've been, say Afghanistan, um, you get a certain impression in the media and the news and then you get there and it's, it's, there are real realities that are hard, but it was very different. And many places I've been have been like that. North Korea is the only place I've ever been that it was much worse than we know. Andy Byrd
0: also gave those of us who are parents ideas about how to share a vision for missions with our children.
1: I think for us, we've really tried to do mission as a family. And so every year I take each of my kids on a trip with me somewhere around the world. My oldest son, Asher, is 16. He's probably been to 21, 22 nations with me. And so they feel like we're in this together. We just did a road trip across America for about uh, nine weeks. We drove East Coast to West Coast and did gatherings all across America. And our kids were very involved in that, very much a part of that. And so I think we've tried to do uh, family on mission versus like dad. Dad's doing this, and you know, we're kind of here, and we're sending him off again. That we really would feel a part of it together, and I think sometimes we've done that better than others. You know, sometimes we've not done it as great, but I would say our kids love the nations, our kids love the gospel, and they feel a part of what we're doing together.
0: All those clips are from last week's episode of the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You can hear that entire conversation at our website, vomradio.net or you can subscribe to VOM Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. Andy has spent a lot of time in the Himalayan region of the world. One of our former VOM Radio guests, Sister Amber, called it the roof of the world. In nations like Nepal, Bhutan, Tibet, it's not a popular thing to become a follower of Jesus. It often leads to intense persecution. I asked Andy about how, in spite of the difficulties, he has seen the Lord at work in this region of the world.
1: Yeah, I love the Himalayas. It's uh, I know there's that book on the five love languages, but I think mountains should be added as the sixth. <laughs> and uh, I feel God in um, the Himalayas and uh, It's hard not to. Yeah, when you're in an airplane, yeah, and you look
0: up at the tops of the mountains. It's astounding. It, it is just kind of mind-blowing. It
1: really is mind-blowing, and I just think what God's doing there is remarkable. I've had the privilege of working in that region in and out for probably the last 20 years, and just seeing the growth of the kingdom and seeing the growth of of people believing and following Jesus authentically and sincerely is quite remarkable. And so I love what's happening there and so many stories of, of what's emerging even, you know, right now. And um, I just heard a story recently of uh, a trip that we took into a remote uh, village, did Bible distribution. don't always know what happens with that. You know, a lot of that is in faith. And then, of course, we do a lot of follow up, and that's where we get to hear some of these stories. But a young girl, sixteen years old, was given a Bible. She read it and truly believed it, and actually, through just praying some simple prayers, began to see some of her family members set free from, from real demonic oppression, which is, of course, very real and a part Mm -hmm. of their lives. She recognized that as she prayed in, you know, kind of according to what she was now reading, that there was real power in it. So it further solidified for her that this was the one true way, that this was real faith, that this was the one true God. And so she became an evangelist without knowing what evangelism was (laughs) and basically saw her whole family come to the Lord. She was kicked out of the village with her family because of it. They moved to another village and continuing just their work of evangelism, which is where they ran into the same team that had done the distribution, I want to say two years before. Wow. This was two years later and came up to our team and said, hey, you don't know me, but you, you came to my village. You <laughs> left a Bible in my village. and Let me tell you what's happened. And uh, remarkable stories like that, just incredible. I remember on the first trip that I took into that area, um, into this remote uh, villages, we did distribution, and it was so encouraging—the hunger for truth, the hunger for the word. And we stayed in a little uh, a little home. Uh, remember, a man um, was just so eager to listen to the audio Bible in his heart language. And uh, we found out about a year later, through and again another follow-up team, that he had, after we had left, he had decided as well this was the truth. He had hiked to a nearby village, found believers who, discipled him, and now he was distributing Bibles over the entire region because he'd been so moved by the words of truth. And many, many stories like this. I think the record that our team, one of our teams, set was they they trekked a hundred miles for one village, fifty miles in, fifty miles out. But that entire village gathered to see the Jesus film, and that entire village gathered to have audio Bibles Uh in their heart language. And uh, the impact of the Word of God in these places is beyond what we could know or imagine.
0: What does persecution look like? You mentioned a whole family being kicked out of the village. Like, hey, we don't have Christians in our village, so if you're going to be Christians, you need to go live somewhere else. What other kinds of sort of pressure is brought to bear.
1: Yeah, in the Himalayas, you know, different a little bit from country to country. But certainly persecution is real. And the cost is everything from the social pressures of of a village or a family or a community. And some of that's the hardest to endure. And it might be denial of education for children, all the way to actual physical persecution. And then in some of those places, it would be governmental as well. Like you, you could face imprisonment, could face heavy fines, could could face um, travel restrictions. And so, it's quite a variety in the Himalayas of persecution, but it is very real and it is very connected to the cost of being a believer in large areas of the Himalayas today.
0: And yet they're willing to pay that price. Uh, so I mean, willing. You, you see a. Young Young girl who says, yeah. this is real. Like, yes. like I don't know a lot about this, but when I pray it actually does something.
1: Yes. The cost is worth it. It's so worth it. I'll never forget meeting a young lady in a in one of those nations and very closed. At the time I met her, she was probably 16, and she told me the story of when she came to the Lord, she got saved. I think a church planning team went through her village, all indigenous, and she decided to give her life to the Lord. She was taken by her family into the kind of the courtyard of the community there, and she was they threw rocks at her, and the pers- mm. real physical persecution. And uh, because of it, she couldn't walk for quite a while, and she actually, with a huge smile on her face, she's telling me this story, would would crawl on her elbows to go to to a little house fellowship that had been started in her village. And eventually her legs did heal. And when I met her, she she could walk, but with a heavy limp. And she's, by the time I met her, she's 16 or 17. And she's walking with with a really strong limp, the biggest smile I had ever seen, and she has never stopped sharing the gospel from that point on. Wow. And that story is one of thousands, of course, in that area of the world, the story of both the persecution and the story of the smile. Mm-hmm. It's its in tandem, and we've seen it many, many times.
0: We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Andy Bird. He directs The Send. How has COVID affected your work, and and maybe— the good news side of the story. Are there some ways where you have seen God directly use COVID to advance his kingdom?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, absolutely. And I would say I've talked to many people who have also seen that. And, of course, it's much easier to focus on the difficulty yeah. because that's very real. <laughs> um, and we the see challenges. that very clearly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Plenty of news on that. But I think um, on several levels, I would say on one level— has been the overall tenderizing of people's hearts and that there's a greater awareness of need, of human need, that what we thought we had under control, what we thought we could control our own comfort level, what we thought could be an easy, comfortable life was very quickly shattered in many places because of COVID. And part of the redemption of that is people recognizing their real need, their mm-hmm. real spiritual need, uh, that we're not so as in control as we think we are. And I think there, that was seen at layers all across the world because obviously COVID touched the planet. And so I think there is a greater tenderness and an awareness of our real need and of the real need for a savior, real need for um, real hope, something that goes beyond our, our hope and our health. Our hope in our finances, our hope in our ability to control our environment, our hope in our job or our career, a lot of that was shattered or at least pushed back to a degree where I think people are asking deeper questions and that is a redemption of the pain of everything that we've gone through in the last year and a half is those questions need to be asked and sometimes comfort numbs us to those real deeper questions in life and i think what we have experienced is a lot of people are asking those questions on a global level which is a remarkable opportunity to give the hope of jesus absolutely let's talk to some of
0: our listeners and you know honestly in my mind i think of i picture them as kind of young people but they could be people approaching retirement age who are thinking about, okay, what's next? What's God asking us to do? Some of our listeners have kind of sensed that call, that that seed has been planted that was planted in your heart, and they're wondering, okay, what do I do now? Yeah, (laughs) Lord, is that really you? Is that really what you're saying? And then if it is, okay, what do I do now? Yeah, Talk to them, Andy, and, and kind of Coach them
1: Yes absolutely well I hope some of you listening really are looking to your future and asking the question where could I where could I possibly serve God and I think you know VOM um, has done a great job of portraying the global needs to the global family. And I think that that's the beginning, is that we really hear our family story and recognize that it's very significant that there are still 7,000 unreached people groups in the world. There are still 3.1, 3.2 billion people that are largely unexposed to the gospel, and that that's our family story. And it's very important for the family to embrace the family need. And that happens at a persecution level, where we are standing with each other as a family in persecution, also needs to happen at a purely human level, where we recognize there There are massive areas of the world that have never been exposed to the gospel. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. You know, it's massive need, massive opportunity, but where do I even start or where do I take a step? And honestly, I would encourage people to take your first step is to simply find a movement or an organization or a sending, you know, group that es- essentially you resonate with, join that movement, that organization, that family, get trained, very important to actually having long term impact, and simply get sent. And I think it's that simple. It doesn't need to be more complicated than that. Find a family, get trained by the family, get sent by the family. And um, if we would do that in mass, Um, we could see the greatest advancement in the Great Commission in human history in this generation. And it's every nation to every nation. It's Kenyans that are listening right now, feeling empowered to reach the unreached of Africa. It's Brazilians listening right now, feeling empowered in their role in the Great Commission. It's global. It's from every nation to every nation. And there are plenty of movements and families and organizations or churches out there that are doing a great job of training, sending, and covering And uh, it can really be that simple. Andy,
0: as I mentioned, one of the things we want to equip listeners to do is pray. Let's talk about the Himalayan region, because again, you talked about that. How do we pray for that part of the world,
1: and especially for our Christian brothers and sisters? Yeah, great question. And I think... uh... Parts of the Himalayas are threatening to probably close down even more. And who knows? Who knows the future? But um, certainly there's lots of conversations at governmental levels and lots of laws that are being talked about. And, of course, that has huge implications on real people's lives and freedom and persecution. And so I think we ought to pray for the window in the Himalayas to stay open because it is one of the places the gospel is probably spreading the fastest in the world today. That's remarkable, and there are phenomenal indigenous movements that are rising up in all of those regions. And I think we ought to pray for that window of opportunity to stay open long enough to see even a greater spread of the gospel. We ought to pray for a strengthening of the indigenous leaders, that they truly would be walking as leaders of godly character, godly morals and values, uh, financial integrity. We ought to just really be praying that the character of Christ would be formed in the leadership of the church in these areas, so that even if persecution does increase or nations do clamp down, that there is strong leadership on the ground that is continuing the movement forward. And there already are, but we ought to just mm-hmm. pray that they would be strengthened in that. And and then I think ultimately in all these places, we ought to pray Matthew 9, 37 and 38, Lord, send laborers to the ripe harvest fields of the world and the Himalayas are ripe. And we ought to pray, send more laborers, send Indian laborers, send, uh, you know, Nepali laborers to Bhutan and Tibet, Uh, send American laborers, send European laborers, but send laborers, because the harvest is ripe in the Himalayas, and yet the workers are too few still.
0: Let's talk about YWAM more broadly. How, How can we pray for the ministry of YWAM, which YWAM is so broad and, and going so many different directions,
1: but how can our listeners pray for YWAM? Yeah, I think uh, YWAM is at its 60-year mark right now, and our founders are in their 80s, legends, amazing people. And I think that we would pray that YWAM's uh, future would be its greatest season, that as we look to the future, that we as YWAMers, we're not overly impressed with anything we've done. We're grateful. We're, we're proud of what God has done through a whole bunch of simple obedience, but we're just getting started. And I think to, that, that those listening would pray that that YWAM's greatest days of multiplication would be ahead of us, that we at 60 years would be able to make uh, innovative leaps in terms of our mission strategy and our understanding of reaching both the spheres as well as reaching some of the re- least reached places in the world. And so we we need prayer. To stay innovative, we need prayer to keep our edge of simply hearing and obeying God and not getting institutional and losing some of that simple, raw, gutty obedience. And many movements in history have struggled through their transition um, from their founding generation to another generation. And so we need prayer to. That that we would accelerate through this transition. We would get more gritty. We would get more committed to hearing the voice of God and obeying. That we would grow in faith and that we would believe from more places, more locations, more presence in more nations, more people reach, just the more. Lauren, our founder, is always telling us and reminding us it is the everys and the alls. It's every South Pacific island with 10 people living on it, as well as the greatest urban centers of our world, and so that as YWAM, we would embrace our calling for the everys and the alls. For those of you who are listening, we have actually had Lauren Cunningham
0: here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. You can find that at our website, vomradio.net. Andy, two more prayer questions. One the send. How do we pray those events coming up in 2022? I know those don't just sort of happen. Yeah. You open the gates and everyone comes in. Right. How can we pray for those things?
1: Yeah, the send is uh it is it's it's um way over our heads in a lot of ways. You know <laughs> what we're believing for um yet it's a servant movement to truly try and catalyze a young generation our our passion is uh, to declare a war on inaction. I think the, the prayer for us for the send is that there would be, be an unprecedented unity in the body of Christ in these places that we're going, that we could truly stand together for the Great Commission, and that maybe some of the things in the past that would have divided us or kept people from wanting to participate in something like this, some of the mistakes that we've made in gatherings or events would kind of be put behind us, and that the need would necessitate a unity and an urgency that would draw the body of Christ together for the sake of the great commission. So I think that's our prayer in each of these cities or nations. We're going to unprecedented unity around the great commission. And that really as, as the church that we would adopt a mindset that we would send our best to the nations of the earth, that it wouldn't be about us and ours and, you know, our particular place or church or location All of us would be asking the question, what about the places where there's almost no presence, no gospel presence, no church presence? Could we work together to see the greatest wave of missions in human history? So that's our prayer. God put the Great Commission in the center of the conversation of global Christianity. We've been talking about a lot of things, and a lot of things deserve talking about, and a lot of value, but that Jesus' final commands to us in Matthew and Mark and even in Acts chapter 1— would be of primary importance in the vocabulary, the prayer life, the financial life, the sending life, the resource life of the church on a global level. How do you talk to somebody, especially a
0: young person, about the sacrifice that's involved? And I think, for some reason, the the person who just came to my mind is John Chow, went to an island, gave his life on the beach, some of the places that are yeah. unreached, yeah. that's what it's going to take. Absolutely. It's going to take people who are willing to go and give their life on the beach. Yeah. How do you talk to 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds and say, listen, God is calling you, but this is what that calling yeah. might involve? Yeah. What do you tell them?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's a phenomenal question. And Lauren and Darlene have always modeled for the last 60 years um, the joyful side of a life laid down. Knowing of course that that also can be a very painful side, but they've modeled it, they've preached it, they've lived it and um, they've experienced it. And I think that we've always taken that same tone that it is a great privilege to lay our lives down, whatever that means for the cause of the gospel. And it seems that the more that we're aware of the beauty of God, the more that we're aware of the extravagance of his love, the more that we're in touch with the glories of eternity, the more that the cost of a laid-down life is minimized for the gains of an intimate relationship with God, with a revelation of the beauty of God. And so YWIM has often approached, and Lauren and Darlene have often approached the cost of obedience from that perspective of the exchange, the, the, the great, beautiful exchange that what we gain versus what we are giving up. And, of course, the cost is still can be very real, and it will require lives, and, and people will make the ultimate sacrifice. But if the pinnacle or if the, the bullseye of our obedience is still related to intimate relationship with God and extravagant love and His beauty— then in a way there's almost a joy to the sacrifice as well. And of course, that's many of the stories that VOM tells from all over the world. And so I think that's often how we communicate to the next generation. The cost will be great, but in some ways it, it only seems great if we have minimized His beauty or minimized His glory or minimized intimate relationship with Him. And the more we can actually talk about the greatness of Him, the more we actually begin to minimize the sacrifice or the cost of following him.
0: The the treasure in a field, the man sold
1: everything yes. he had in his joy. Yes. <laughs> he was excited to sell everything
0: he had. We should have that same sense of excitement. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Andy Byrd. He directs The Send. He is part of the executive leadership team at YWAM Kona. Andy, there's some of our listeners who are gonna be in Kansas City in 2022 for The Send. How do they, find out more how do yeah. how do they get a ticket how do they yes. go yes
1: yes go to the send.org and uh, you'll see our website and you can actually pre-register. We'll get a date once the uh, Major League Baseball schedule comes out. So we're <laughs> waiting uh, on that. And so that should we should have that date this September for next year. Okay. But right now people can pre-register and they'll be the first to know when that date is released and have the opportunity towards um, actual registration at that point. So a lot of details on there, a lot of our story on there, a lot of our outcomes and our, our mission initiatives on there. So the website's the best way. Of course, social media as well. Instagram and Facebook is the, just the send. I want to encourage
0: you, if if you're on the fence, go. Uh, we've talked about the event in Orlando, we've talked about the event in Brazil, and just go and be a part of what God is doing, sending to the nations. If you want to know more about YWAM, their website is ywam.org. Y-W-A-M Andy, I I love your passion. It comes through the microphone. I know our
1: our listeners can feel it. Thank you for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. Such an honor to be with you. And my prayer is everybody who listens just gets another layer of passion in their own heart for right where God has placed them to walk out their missional calling. Amen. I join in that. And we would love to hear
0: from you. If you go to vomradio.net, you can send us a note. There's a message box in the bottom of the page. Just send me a note. I'd love to hear how God is working in your heart, or what country you're praying for, or what country He is pointing you to serve. Uh, so you can come to vomradio.net. You could send us a message. I also hope you'll be back with us next week as we continue to explore what God is doing around the world, especially in hostile and restricted nations, right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.